This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. When this guest said yes, we pinched ourselves. Hard. She is equal parts passionate and inspiring, and I'm so excited to be talking to her today. I'd love to welcome Upma Verdi onto the show today. Upma is someone who I've been dying to meet. As an entrepreneur, a lawyer, a tea masteress, woman's activist, she's the kind of tour de force this podcast exists to support. Upma Verdi is the CEO of Chaiwali, an award-winning tea company. In just five years, she'd grown her business from a humble market stall to an iconic brand, landing herself a spot on the coveted Forbes 30 Under 30 list. I'm thrilled to be talking to Upma today about how she juggles all of her inspiring roles, how she broke free from societal norms, and how we are all inherently equipped to find the answers we're seeking. We just need to look a little deeper. Take a listen. Upma, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast powered by the Peers Project. We're so excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So, you know, you're someone who, I was telling my team earlier, you're someone who I've really wanted to have come on the show. I stumbled across your LinkedIn profile recently and I've just looked into all the awesome stuff you're doing and the leadership roles you're in and I just knew I had to have you come on. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Cool. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are, talk to us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. I don't even know, I guess, where to start about my journey. Once a lawyer, always a lawyer, but (laughs) you can't really take that tag off. But I run a tea business. We focus on chai blends. I'm a public speaker, talk about women's empowerment and startups and marketing and that that's me. I do I do many different hats. I wear many different roles in my business as most entrepreneurs do. I love that. I think it was on your LinkedIn where you wrote uh, Upma is many things, some of which include an entrepreneur, lawyer, women's activist, powerful speaker, tea master, thought provoker, first generation migrant, writer, soccer player, dancer, creator, and lastly, yep. change maker. <laughs> and I absolutely loved that. And I was like, I'm going to bring that up in the interview because I just, I love that idea of what you said around wearing different hats. And I think that so many of us are almost afraid to, to put on those different hats and they, we think we have to wear one. Mm. You know, talk to us a little bit about how you were able to embrace 
that idea of wearing different hats. That's really interesting. And I think a lot of young people go through that, that they have to, if they studied something, they have to wear that hat. And I've always worn different hats and I've always had different roles and careers in my life. So for me to juggle hats has always been a part of my life. And doing com law, graduating from that and becoming a corporate lawyer, I felt that I had all these other skills as well that I needed to embrace. And running my tea business as an inspiration from my grandfather was an outlet, like a creative outlet for me that I needed to do for myself. And I always juggled with those two hats. And in the industry of law, people could never guess my other career or in the industry of hospitality and, and food and tea and spices, no one would ever guess that I had a legal background. It was just such contrasting differences. But they also amalgamated. Mm-hmm. I'll always use my legal skills in my business. And vice versa, I always use my entrepreneurial skills when I was a lawyer. Mm. I love that. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head with that in terms of how you've managed to bring yourself to different situations, careers and whatnot. And so before we dive more in into your work, I want to hear so much more about your company and even your, your past as a lawyer. I want to ask you a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what, where did your, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and your career so far? That's a really interesting question because my parents have been my biggest, biggest warriors and also fighters for what I want to do, but also the biggest hurdles in what I want to do. And being a first generation migrant, there's an even added pressure of who you are, who the world wants you to be, who society wants you to be and who you should be because you're fighting with a battle of in Australia, I'm in, I'm Indian, but in India, I'm Australian. Mm. So and you're going through these different cultural shifts of growing up and not being allowed to date, but everyone around you is allowed to date or like you're not allowed to do this kind of extracurricular activity, but everyone else is allowed to. Just there's always constant battles of crossroads with your family and your expectations. So, and I've always had different creative outlets I've always wanted to do and explore different things. I'm the kind of person who, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to go do it. Mm. Like, for example, I was... I wanted to do debating. I did debating. I wanted to start a women, Indian women's soccer team when I was 15. So I started a whole league of like, <laughs> and I wanted, to, I just wanted to, and I had to have meetings with the parents because they wouldn't want some of their daughters to wear shorts. Wow. So there's always been that kind of, I've always fought battles and tried to pave a way to make it easier for other women that might be going through the same thing as me. And so when I wanted to enter entrepreneurship, it was, It was really, really difficult Mm. because I was a lawyer. What business did I have running a tea business? So I had, I did, I spent six years becoming a corporate lawyer. You do, I did a five year double degree, then I did a post grad, and then finally got my dream job in an awesome tech company, new age law tech company, doing amazing things. But this was brewing on the side, and I didn't even realize what was happening. What path that life wanted me to take my parents my family obviously did not want me mm. to take that path but after a lot of perseverance and hard work from me they finally realized that my path is different to them and I come from a family of professionals so my my dad's an engineer my mum was a housewife but she's always worked so since the day we migrated to Australia I was one my mum has worked since then and she still works my parents both they're nearly they're plus 60 plus but they still work because I think it's a migrant 
migrant, it's not migrant blood. You constantly work. You don't know life without working. <laughs> It's so funny because I can so resonate with that. And my parents are also well, – my mum was born here. Yeah. But my, my dad was first-generation migrant. And I just – to this day, they still work, yeah. you know. And it's just so funny how, how, how that struggle that they went through yeah. to get here and to build the company and all this stuff, how that, that really does – impact the children very much so I think that's definitely where my drives come from and clearly yours as well and I just think that but but it is such an acquired I wouldn't call it acquired taste but acquired mindset you know that they have and um I I find that so interesting how they and not much not very surprising that they were against it you know because I think sometimes our parents just you know, want the best for us. And I think that yeah. to secure and a route. I, I never blame them. Yeah. I never blame them because I could understand. I had that awareness that like they they came, they were brought up in a different kind of environment where you weren't given a choice. You weren't given the creative outlet to be who you wanted to be. They mm-hmm. grew up in an environment where it wasn't set for them. They had to do things that their parents told them. There was just no other choice. And Growing up, I never got pocket money or I never mm. got – we just didn't – it wasn't in our culture. They would just get me things that I, I needed when I needed. Mm. So I always grew up in an environment where it was a need. I'd only get things that I needed. And so now running a business that those traits actually work for me because I've been able to grow at bootstrapping mm. and I've been able – people would – I'll do public speaking and ask me, do you have angel investors? Yeah. Do you have capital raising? I'm like, I didn't grow up like that. No. I grew up in an, in an environment where you, you want something, you work hard for it. You don't spend two years trying to cultivate money or funds for it. You go out and you start selling. Oh, absolutely love this already. And I just so agree and can resonate with that personally. So talk to us a little bit about how you were able to kind of break free, I guess, from those expectations that, that were had of you. It was a really difficult journey for a few years for me, battling, working as a lawyer, trying to figure out who I am Mm. as this first-generation migrant and trying to find your feet. And I think as first-generation migrants, they're always going through cultural shifts and changes of figuring out who they are, where they belong, which community they belong in. Because there, there are so many... Melbourne and Australia is so diverse in culture that we just have so much beautiful different cultures and diversities here. So it's a constant battle for migrants to figure out where they belong, especially if you're doing something a bit different as well. Mm. So I had friends around me. Everyone was in law, doing a professional career. My family, my brother, my sister-in-law, my cousins, they were all in professional careers. And here I was trying (laughs) to start a chai business. (laughs) So... (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) So I basically, I just thought to myself... I really need to work as well as mm. a and, and get income. So working as a corporate lawyer was really something that I needed to do. I did work six, I did study six years for it. So mm. I thought, hey, let <laughs> let me Couldn't give hurt. it a try. <laughs> and I was a good lawyer, and I still am a good lawyer. But in the background, I had this business brewing, and I would do something every day on it to let mm. it grow a little bit, just a little bit more. And so I would spend before work or lunch times or after work working mm-hmm. doing hustling on my business little things like setting up the website setting up import channels setting up distribution setting up a team setting up a warehouse but i someone once told me that do something every day something really small but have a big goal but if you do something every single day for it who knows where you are in 12 months time and that's what happened to me i would just do something really small every single day and let it grow from there and then a few years on i was I was just at a crossroads of like, wow, I need to 
leave my job as a lawyer because this is not healthy anymore. I'm mm. not seeing anyone. I'm not doing it. I'm do- yeah. All I'm doing is working constantly. And my business is at a stage where it needs me completely to just fall into it and embrace it and be the boss lady that I should be. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And I think that that's something that when I was doing some research on you, I wanted to ask about that the juggling of the two. You know, I think so many so many of our peers out there listening who potentially have an idea or they want to start something, they might be in a corporate role, but they just think I'm just Where's the time, you know? Stop watching Netflix. Like, uh, bingo, listen to Upma. You know, and I just think, exactly, you can always find the time if it yeah. means something to you. So talk to us a bit more about, just a step back from that, what made you fall into the, the tea business? Like, what? how did that come about? It was a complete accident. I didn't even realise I was falling. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it's got this, like, gravitational pull. Yeah. So basically, my grandfather, he was a doctor and he specialised in teas and spices. But he was also an activist and he was a communist and he was an atheist and he was in the underground communist party and he used to make schools and educate women on who couldn't speak or were allowed to speak or read in English and he would teach them those things and... He was just a really inspiration for me and who I am. And I wanted to pay homage to him in some way with his blends and what he's done in India. He's created his own medical institute there. And I wanted to pay homage to that. So as just for fun, like this is completely just for fun. (laughs) Hashtag just for fun. Just for fun. I would literally make spices and blends as my grandfather would and sell them at markets. That's how I started with no intention of growing into a business and I'd invite mum and dad and they'd sit in the back of the you know tent that I had and drink chai and not be very happy but I <laughs> I needed help and it wasn't something that I ever intended to grow from that but with that money I bought more spices mm. and I sold more then I kept doing that and doing that until I had enough to rent a warehouse Mm. and import from organic fair trade tea farms and then employ a team and then employ myself. Like it was just constant journey of what I didn't have a goal, but I wanted to explore what I, I was able to do out of my own self. Like what am I capable of doing and how do I do that? Mm. But constant, the constant growth process. Mm. I love that. And I think so many of us don't do enough of that. And my, yeah. you know, the start of my journey, it was similar. I was, it was just like, let's just keep going one step. Okay, yeah. cool. That worked. Let's try something else. Yeah. But I think one thing that stops so many of us, and it's definitely stopped me in the past, is this idea of like fear, Yeah. you know, and like failing. Yeah. And you know, how are you able to gain the courage to just chip away at it? And I'm sure there are times where it didn't go as planned, yeah. where things didn't work out, you know, yeah. how did you manage to do that? I was just so passionate to leave a footprint of who I am on the world. Like, I just saw that being a a woman of colour, there was no one that inspired me in Australia. And I once got asked a question in in a chai workshop and a talk I was giving, and they said, who in the Indian community, in your background, inspires you? And I thought... All I can think of on the top of my head is, like, Indian actresses. But I can't relate to them. Like, there's no one in the Australian environment that I can say and look up to and just say, they inspire me. They created a pathway for Mm -hmm. me. And I know why that's the case, because we're still such a young country and there's not many of us who have created a change for the others. And I thought, 
if no one's doing it, I need to do it. <laughs> like, if I, I need to... It's going to be hard work. I know that. It's going to be a struggle. There's going to be closed doors. People aren't going to be happy with it. There's going to be people who will have positive and negative views towards it and vibes towards me. But that's fine because I'm doing me. And by doing that, I might be creating a path for other people as well. Mm. Oh my goodness, it's so, it's just so cool, you know. It's just so awesome to hear that you were just like, I want to do me. I want to be that that person for the next generation of, you know, Indian migrants who women, you know, who yeah. come and they're like, oh, I want to do something different. Yeah. So I just, I absolutely love that. So talk to us a little bit about your early struggles in business. So you know, obviously you were doing it on the side. You're working a full time career, corporate career, lawyer as a lawyer. What were some of those early challenges? Um, I had to sacrifice a lot. Mm. I had to sacrifice activities that people would just say is normal, like Friday night drinks mm. or staying up what, binge watching TV shows or sleeping in, <laughs> things like that. I had to sacrifice, but that's okay because I wouldn't be here talking mm. to you if it wasn't for that. It's, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. And I just think that it's almost, I think I read once or heard once, it's, it's, it's not a sacrifice if, like, the word sacrifice has such a negative connotation, but it's not a sacrifice if it's doing what you're passionate about, you know? It's like you made that conscious choice and decision to actually go out there and do that. So I, I love how you make that yeah, distinction. Yeah, I just, for me, like, every hour needs to be productive. Yeah. Like, every, every waking hour. Like, I sleep. It's not like I don't sleep. <laughs> she um, doesn't sleep. I, I love sleeping. I think, it's, I think the, the term hustle needs to be redefined. Mm. It's not healthy to be constantly working. That's going to take a toll on your mental health, on your creative abilities. I, my parents are meditation teachers and I've always yeah. been brought up in an environment where meditation is so important. And that's allowed me to keep positive and calm most of my life. I, I was eight when I started meditating. Wow. And going through high school, I, it wasn't cool back then. People would call me the hippie person and I'd go into cl like locked classrooms that were empty during lunchtime just to meditate. Wow. But now it's being taught everywhere, which is amazing, but it's so important for people who are entrepreneurs who have constant different roles and hats to wear to also stay balanced. So for me, even though I need to be productive all the time and doing something, that also includes me time and working on my personal self. Once a month, I need to take a time out for myself and just be and strategize on my brain and just like <laughs> rework all that stuff just to make sure that I'm okay. Am I, am I good? Am I good? <laughs> who, who am I every month? Who am I? What do I stand for? What's my purpose? You've you got to ask yourself things and you've got to give yourself headspace to be able to be creative because if you're constantly working, you're not going to be able to make the creative decisions that you're, you, you have to make all the time. Hmm. I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's so funny that you say, I just love how you say that, how you, meditation for you is just almost a natural thing. You know, talk to us a little bit about how that has played a role. I mean, you've kind of already touched on, it, on that, but how your parents instilled that in you, it's quite, yeah. it's quite different. How that played a role in, in what you're doing now and in a, being able to sustain yourself. I guess with meditation, it's everyone has their own outlet to meditate. It could be walking and you could be doing, that could be your outlet of meditation. I don't see meditation as sitting there with your hands like in a prayer position and saying om. Like meditation is so different for each person. It could be painting. Mm -hmm. It could be dancing. You could have your own outlet, but it needs to be 
in a way that you're really exploring yourself and giving yourself space to ask yourself questions and answer them yourself. So for me, writing and meditating are both ways that I ask myself questions and answer them as well. And the reason why I've learned that it's so important for me is because I've, when I started the business, I went through different mentors and business mentors. They were all telling me things I already knew. Mm. And I thought, what's the point of paying all that money for mm. these business mm. mentors when I already know what they're telling me and I already have the documents I need? I, I know how to do a trademark. I know how to start a corporation. I'm a lawyer. Like, I know this yeah. stuff. I got it. I got yeah. this. And so I, I realized that I just need to give myself the headspace to answer my own questions. And so by meditating and my, but by being, having meditation a part of my life since I was eight, I had my own way of meditating and what I focus on when I meditate and what I like to meditate to a candle. That's just my way of meditating, like light and just clearing my mind and entering the questions that I need answered. Or when I write, I like to write the questions down and then go step by step and how to, and, and solving them myself. And I think that everyone, most of us, if we give ourselves that brain space of just clarity, we can answer those questions ourselves as well. I love it. What are some of the questions we should be asking ourselves? Well, that's up to you. It's like, <laughs> it, it depends on what things that you need answered. Like, for example, if you're juggling between a work and a side hustle that you really want to do, you need to ask yourself, where can I find time to do it? And write a timesheet of things that you're doing and take some time out to do it. Mm. Like the, that block that you're relaxing or it's, it's important to relax, but that block that you're, I mean, watching Game of Thrones, mm. maybe you can do your business on that. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't, I just, I love how you've made the point that it's just, you can answer your own, like we have the power to answer our own questions. And I think that's just, it's just so true that so many of us just think, oh, we'll have to look to a mentor, we, we have to look to a coach, or maybe we have to look to our boss who's, who's yeah. higher on the ladder, or whatever it may be. But it, yeah, just taking yeah. that space. And it is important to ask yourself things like, what do I stand for? And for me, that's always important to know who, what it is that I stand for. That, and that will change time to time mm. as you change and your, your friendships change and as, a, as your life changes. But it's important to know what your core values are as a human being mm. because that needs to filter through everything you do as well. What are some of your core values? Like for me, it's just being a genuine human being. Yeah. <laughs> like <it's>, I love <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> And I, and I think that in a world where it's everything so fast-paced, mm. everything is so immediate, it's being a genuine, healthy, positive woman that can, if someone goes to my social media page, they don't feel like crap afterwards, mm. that they're not seeing a, someone that they want, they envy. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think a lot of, a lot of people these days, they're putting out a facade that we're going there and we're feeling envious. And we're like, oh, but I really want that and mm. I need that. So for me, it's being a genuine positive human that can help inspire or be a positive influence on other people. So I don't call myself an influencer. but you I, just, one. <laughs> but I just, <laughs> She is very much so. <laughs> but I just want to be able to inspire something positive in other people, not want them to be envious or feel a negative way if they think of me or think of, go to my page of some sort. Mm. 
It's so funny because the other day my um, my social media marketer, Ash, um, and I were strategizing and I was talking about her business she wants to build for herself. And I'd come across your your website, your um, Ukma website, and honestly, it it made me feel like energized. Like, you know, literally the, what how you want to portray yourself is exactly how you come across. And I had to show it to Ash. I was like, you've got to see this girl. I need to do – we need to do the same profile for us. You know, she's awesome. And it, so I just think it's it's clearly just a testament to how in tune you are about yourself and where you're at, which I just think is so cool. Thank you. Um, so I love that. Okay, great. So – okay, great. So, look, it's funny. I always write notes before this and then we, we just – the conversation gets even yeah, better than I could have, could have imagined. But look, I want to talk a bit more about that um, that leap from corporate to entrepreneurship. So obviously, like what was the – so obviously you, you were working for some time, doing both, juggling it all. We've talked about the strategies you used. But when did you know you had to go full on into, mm-hmm. um, into your business and, and drop the corporate path? And how did you actually make that transition? I was lucky to negotiate part-time work with also with my employer. I was working in a new age, online only, cloud-based, gender-neutral law firm. It was pretty cool. (laughs) It was a pretty cool firm we were working at. And they really embraced the fact that I was an entrepreneur as well. They thought that was great and I could connect with our clients better as well, especially in the same industry. So... By being able to negotiate part-time really, really helped me in terms of juggling both businesses and knowing where what I need to be doing in the future. And so it came to a point where it took me nine months from when I realized I had to leave law to actually leaving law <laughs> because I, lo- I loved my job so much. I was doing some really cool work. And it just got to a point where I looked at my life and I looked at the things that I'm doing and I realized I don't want to be constantly working 24-7. I want to create memories. I want to share moments with my friends and family. I want, I'm, I'm moving to Sydney soon. I, I want to leave something behind and have those beautiful memories. And, it, and then I also realised that I can't continue like this. I need to give one of these my 100% to see what I'm capable of doing. And it came to a point where I realised that I... I could go back to law if I needed to. Mm. I had the skills and the structure and I created that for myself and I can always go back if I needed to. But I realized that my business was on a tangent and it was on a wave and I didn't realize what I had created and I created it and I'm like, oh crap, I gotta (laughs) (laughs) let me ride that wave. So I literally just got a surfboard and rode that wave. Mm. I don't surf though. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that's what happened. I just really, I just had an epiphany that I'm like, wow, I need to grow my business full time and see what I'm completely capable of doing if I give them 100%. But it's not easy. It is not easy to go from an employee to an employer. Mm. There's a massive transition that you go through mentally, disciplinely, if that's a word, and um, (laughs) just being your own boss isn't easy. Like There's so many people who look at the word entrepreneur. I didn't ever call myself an entrepreneur. Like It was Mm. just something that – it was my side hustle – I'm doing it. I'm going to do me. Yeah. It was just a thing that I was doing and I and I didn't do it for anybody else. I did it because I wanted to do it for myself mm. and my family and my grandfather in particular. So that transition was really interesting and I didn't think I'd go through it, mm. but I went through it. I think we 
I think all of us, yeah, do. Whoever decides to is crazy enough to dive into this crazy world of entrepreneurship, yeah. we all go through it. And I just, yeah, I love how you've mentioned that. And I think that it, when it is just you're doing it for you, and then you realize the potential of what you can build, I think that's where the magic happens, and yeah. that clearly is what happened with you, which is so amazing to see. So look. I just want to keep asking you questions. I want to keep going. I love this, but I'm also conscious of time. But look, but as we come to the close of today's episode, firstly, I just want to acknowledge you, Utma, for the phenomenal work you've done for the business you've grown. I will just do a bit of a spiel on you because you are so impressive. You know, you were listed on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. You were CNM's 40 under 40. You were named as the Business Woman of the Year by the Indian Australian Business Community Awards. You're assembly finalist for the Victorian Young Achievers Award. I could keep going. You are so impressive and yet you're so down to earth and so in touch with yourself, which I absolutely love. Um, it's been an absolute blast having you on the show. But I want to end with a question that's very dear to my heart and that I ask every single interviewee at the end of our episodes. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about. Can I take a minute? Of course. Can you repeat that? Yeah. What is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, limitless, like infinite, completely. You can't even put a value to that because once you realise, you just there's no stopping you. Mm. There's just no stopping you. I've already got other businesses that I want to start, other plans I'm going to do. I'm teaching North Indian dancing every Monday night. It's just because it's when you realise what you're able to do, you just don't stop doing you and exploring other parts of you. So it's completely limitless. And I'm not just a business owner. I'm, I love dancing. I love playing soccer. I hike. I, every year I go on, on a, like a one-day hike. I take photos, I do all the creative styling. So you're so many different things. And I think we need to get rid of this idea of this is who I am, this is what I stand for, because it's limitless what we're able to do. Ah, oh, my everybody. <laughs> it has been absolute, my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming Thank to the show. Um, where can people learn more about you and your work? If you Google my name, it's a pretty unique name, Utma Virthi. Like, there's not many other... I don't think there's other single Utma Virthi in the world, so... Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's unique, guys. I'm, I'm so lucky that all my emails don't have any numbers in it. Yeah. It's just my name. <laughs> we love that, don't we? <laughs> I, easy. Yeah. We'll, we'll link like, that most, up. I, I don't... I'm not... I'm not a private, but I'm not an open person. Mm. I'm the in-betweeny. Yeah. So my Instagram has most of my updates, but I'm an in-betweeny. Mm. We love that. We'll link up your website <laughs> and all of that jazz in the show notes. And it's, it's just actually been such a real pleasure. Thanks. And thanks for sharing these stories. I appreciate oh, it. Of course. Of course. And for all our peers out there listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. 
see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.